Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. You're here with our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. And guys, we have a very special episode. We have a very special guest. Uh, she's a former guest on this podcast. We did our very first live show with her. Uh, she is a phenomenal, phenomenal guest, uh, and we, we love her. Uh, it is Catherine Reitman. Because Working Moms Season 5 is premiering either this Tuesday, if you're hearing this right now on a Monday, or it's already premiered. And it's premiering February 16th at 9 uh, on CBC and CBC Gem. So check that out uh, if you're hearing this before. And if you're hearing it after, check it out then too. Uh, Guys, we're going to get to Catherine in a little bit uh, because she is our future conversation. But before that, how's everybody doing? Max, I know you don't love the banter, but I, I, you know, how no, are you doing? No, no, no. I want to know how you're doing. I'm doing. I'm doing pretty good. And I was actually, you know, getting really sentimental the other day because in our pod group, we were sending around photos of the last time we all hung out together, which was the Raptors game, which uh, producer Erica has informed us was the last Raptors game played at the Scotiabank Arena. Obviously, nobody knew that at the time, but just seeing us all together in a sea of people made me feel in very intense things. Like, how did you guys feel looking at that footage? Yeah, it was, it it felt like a decade ago. It just felt like, (laughs) wow, like that my hair is short. That's another life ago. Like, it's just so, so different. It was like seeing a different person. Yeah, it's uh, that footage. So I'm very well aware that that was the last Raptors home game because I've thought about that night a few times since the pandemic started because after that game, they lost to Charlotte that night. They went on the road and that road trip, uh, as we know, ended in the Utah game, uh, which they won, but where Rudy Gobert had tested positive right after and then the season was shut down two days later. So I've, I've actually kind of gone back sometimes in like my darkest moments and like watched that footage from my phone and just been like, oh, the old world, uh, you know, when things get bleak, uh, just as like a beacon of hope. But what's so interesting about that night and when I think about sort of parallel paths is even the way that night came about was it was kind of last minute like tickets and we were recording mm. a pod on the Friday and I had gone out the Thursday night, I think with some work people and we'd like, we went for it. We had like a night and Wynn was still pretty young. And so like, if I have a night on a Thursday, like Danica knows I am like super present on the Friday. Like I've got things on the Friday, but at about like three o'clock in the afternoon at work, like Ash Max, you know, they start texting the group. They're like, Hey, after the pod tonight, are people available to like, let's maybe have a night out with the podcast. We have these tickets to the game. And I was like, ah, damn it. I'm like, I kind of burned my <laughs> my night out last night. Oh. I'm like, this is it's gonna be kind of like an uncomfortable conversation, but fuck, they're gonna be great tickets because I know that it was like through Nick Nurse and stuff. So I uh. called Dan and I'm like, hey, babe. <laughs> like, we're doing this thing with the pod. It'd be weird if I wasn't a part of it. And she was like, enjoy your night. And I was like, sweet. And I even felt kind of guilty. I am so glad that I, I went back to back and went out that night because it ended up being the last <laughs> Well, this is the argument to always say yes to stuff, right? Yes. This is, this is the argument when you're like, oh, should I go to this thing? Oh, no, I should. You know what I mean? You're like, well, you never know when you're going to be locked in the fucking house for, for <laughs> yeah. 16 months because, you know, that would, that should be the argument moving forward whenever you're having a conversation with your partner. It should be like, I need to do this because it's I think this is important to me and you never know. You never know when your life is going to be taken away from you. So that's why you got to say yes to more stuff. So this this affirms your your belief uh, in doing stuff, Mike. I think you'll, you'll always have that card to play with Danica. <laughs> and it was an exceptional night. Like you got interviewed on the TV. We, we ended up in that fancy, like the, the chairman's lounge. Like there were yeah. great tickets. Like Shane, Shane was trying to, like we were right like courtside as they were coming out of the tunnel. Like it was a very, very, very sort of unique experience that 
I get it if, yeah, anyway, just say yes, like you said, just say yes to things. So, um, but speaking of which, um, I've been missing human interaction, obviously, a lot. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to take this subway because I haven't, you know, been on public transportation in a while. And I was in this window of time. I had to like walk to the studio. I was meeting the band. The band's been working on some stuff. And um, if I started to walk, I'd be late. If I took an Uber, I'd be there early. So I was in the sweet spot of, and it was kind of cold. I didn't want to bike. I was like, oh, you know, taking the subway and then the streetcar is the move. So I got on the subway. It was pretty empty. It was like 11 a.m. on a Friday. So typically it would probably be pretty busy. Um, but there was like really nobody on the on the subway. But it still made me feel pretty good just to like be on the subway because I, I, I love taking public transportation generally. And then I, I get off at Young and Queen and I'm waiting for the streetcar to show up. And again, it's like, you know, that's sort of like the middle of the financial district. And it's pretty much a ghost town at this point. And uh, there are these two like homeless guys that are clearly like unwell, like likely like on drugs, just sort of asking people for cigarettes, like everybody who kind of walks by, kind of a cigarette, kind of a cigarette, and kind of being a little aggressive about it. And then this guy comes by and this guy's probably like, I don't know, mid twenties wearing like, a, like a nice looking winter jacket. He's crossing the street. He has a coffee in his hand. Guy's like, hey, can I have a cigarette? And then the guy's like, I don't got a fucking cigarette. And, and the guy kind of comes back at him kind of hard. And then the and then the homeless guy he starts kind of yelling at him. And and then the guy um, who's drinking the coffee he goes, okay, are we doing this right now? And he puts his coffee down on like the windowsill, takes his cell phone out of his pocket. And he's like, let's fucking go. <laughs> And it's like, and it's just me, this guy, and the homeless dude. Just like, I'm like, oh god, like what am I? And there's no one else around to sort of like break it up. So then I'm like, guys, 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 and I kind of raise my voice. And I think they both think that I want to fight them because I raise my voice in a way that up on you and whoop you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're just kind of confused as to what my role in this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we know Max carries a carton everywhere he goes in case he just goes <laughs> So then I'm like, guys, guys, we don't need to be doing this. And then the and then the the guy who is a little, you know, the more well-to-do guy kind of looks at me. He's like, I, I deal with this shit every fucking day. I can't take it. I'm like, yeah, I know, man. But like, you know, look at him. He's he's having a hard time. And so I kind of like break it up and they kind of jawn at each other. And then we all just have to stand there waiting for the street car. <laughs> awkward moment after the yeah the confrontation <laughs> so then nobody's really talking to you. the guy the guy is like appreciate it, though i really appreciate it so he he's he's thankful he, he grabs his phone puts it back in his pocket pocket he's drinking his coffee he gives me props and then we all go in the streetcar together and we're all sitting in the same kind of compartment of the streetcar <laughs> so for the next like 10 minutes dude is sitting next to me with drinking his coffee the homeless guys across the way and then the homeless guy, guy was off. taking the streetcar too he was taking the streetcar too. <laughs> he had a transfer, uh, and then the guy, the guy with the coffee, when he gets up, we kind of like, he, he's like, I appreciate it, and he gives me props, another props, and then that was that. But um, it reminded me, um, we have a, a buddy who's sort of in law enforcement, and, and I was telling him about the cycling vigilante, and I was telling him how our our, our friend has been giving out tickets um, to people who are parked in the in the bike lane. And he said, he's like, yo, your, your buddy's got to not do that because people are a little unhinged right now and he's going to get himself fucking killed. And I was like, oh, yeah, I never really thought about that. But just witnessing this thing happen that blew up in the middle of a Friday morning at 11 a.m. went from zero to 100 quickly. Anyway, just as a caution for all the listeners out there, 
just be careful because everybody's People are on edge mm-hmm. on edge right now. But uh, when you do something heroic like that, is there yeah. a part of your brain that is hoping it's captured on like a cell phone camera? <laughs> <laughs> a, a little bit for sure. Um, the yeah, I, and I did. I was very excited to tell you guys about it. I'll tell you that much. Like as soon as it happened, I was like, I I, I go on to call Ash. I just want to call my friends and let, let them know what I did. But it, you know, it's funny actually. Um, we had a, a few friends. Uh, I I don't care. I'm breaking the law here. I'll say it. We had a little fire pit at a local park in Toronto. There was just like a group of like four or five of us. Illegal uh, in and, lockdown, but normal in regular pandemic times. Yeah, exactly. And and it, we obviously did it very safely. And you know, we were keeping quiet it was all very respectful i know you're not supposed to do that right now but yeah and if anybody her- coughed you throw them in the fire pit it's just everyone has yeah rules. <laughs> um but we ordered a pizza to the park this is like part of the thing that we do is just like everybody brings a couple you know cans of beer and then we'll order pizza to the park and i did the thing where so the pizza was you know when you order on uber eats things get expensive kind of quickly you know like a, a pizza that you think is like you know Twelve ninety nine. You look at the bill and somehow it's sixty four dollars. You know, you know how that mm-hmm. happens. Like it's crazy. Nah, Max, oh, yeah. everybody that uses Uber Eats knows you go direct on pizza. You go direct to 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 your server, like your your supplier, whether it's oh, Domino's sure. or Pizza Pizza. You never do pizza on Uber Eats. Shane, would you agree? Why is that? Yeah, I've never done it on be, because you're because of fees. the reason you just suggested. Yeah, you don't want to pay the fees. Oh, Unless okay, it's well, some weird boutique pizza place that you can only do on Uber Eats. The reason that, that Uber deliver. Eats works is because it's like McDonald's would never normally deliver. But pizza places mm-hmm. have the infrastructure for the, they, they're the original Uber Eats. So just cut out the yeah, middleman. That, that, that is true. I guess I should have done that. But I, we order from Blondie's on Ossington and they're like an independent place. And also like, I'd have to like put the address in from the place I wasn't living. Cause I basically put the address in that's ah. across from the park. Yeah. So I just figured like the infrastructure of the app with Uber or Uber Eats just made the whole process simpler. But anyway, the bill comes to like eighty dollars or something like that for two pizzas that we've Keeps ordered. Going up, yeah, and yeah, <laughs> and um, and uh, you know you're in that moment in Uber Eats. I'm like, because it's set at fifteen percent gratuity. But then you could go <laughs> down to 10 yeah. or oh, you can go 20, moment. Yeah. right? And and here's the thing is I like to be generous in, in these instances, but I was just thinking, I was like, oh God, like for something that I thought was going to be a $30 thing, now, now the 10% option, which is the cheapest option, is still like $12 or something like that for... You know, you know what I mean, and and also gratuity is a funny thing with these delivery drivers because it's not like they're in the kitchen preparing. It's like the, the the amount of service that they're offering isn't really any different. But anyway, so I I hit the well. The 10%. more food could get heavier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In, the, in Toronto, a lot of them are on bikes. No, sure, but the, the, but this person was coming in, in a car too, and so oh, never mind then. Um, but anyway, I do. I, I hit the ten percent. I'm like, oh, Max, don't be a fucking cheap asshole. You're in a park drinking with your friends. This is a person who, whatever. So I go back to fifteen percent. I can feel good about that. And normally, I like to be a good tipper. But just like you know, when, when it's like your, you know, twenty fifth Uber Eats delivery of that week, and you're like, you know, you're like, I've you, had the you, thought. Yeah, I've had make the, thought. the delivery drivers pay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Hey, I've been eating a lot of food lately, okay, pal? I don't care about you or your family. <laughs> anyway, I go back to 15%. Uh, and then Guy um, gets out of his car, hands me the pizza box. He goes, hey, 
Arkell's guy, huh? Oh, no. <laughs> and then I was like, anyway, I was so happy that I didn't do the 10% because if I had, I would have felt so bad. Because, you know, you can be a little anonymous in these situations. But it was a good lesson for me. But to your point, Shane, it was like, do you think people, were you hoping someone was filming you when, when I broke up the fight? You just don't know, especially in your my position, you know, who you're going to be interacting with and, you know, if they, if they know who I am or whatever. So, uh so the point is, I guess you know you gotta you gotta always act. But now the headline is Arkell's lead singer tips slightly below average. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, but I tipped fifteen percent, which was which is normal. And that's what slightly suggest. below I average. Ten percent is twenty. I think the average eighteen percent. Eighteen. I think eighteen's the average. Uh, in what are the options times. on Uber Eats though? Well, no. What are the options? Is it is eighteen percent an option, or is it to go yes. right to twenty? Yes, you mm. can do actually any percentage you like. You can even dip below ten. Which uh, for you, Max, is probably going to be very valuable, depending on how <laughs> much the that. price of your order is. <laughs> Stop that, <laughs> Maxi. If if you had gone with zero, let's say, and then he shows up, and he's like, "Hey, our Kel's guy," would you have scrambled to find like a twenty to like hit hand him like cash, or would you just had to eat it and just be like, "Oh man, he's uh, gonna I guess think I'm cheap." Just had to eat it. I wasn't gonna go down to zero though. Uh, I mean, that was never an option. Very I was noble of you. <laughs> very commendable. The other day, I was uh, there's there's so there's been this huge sort of snowstorm in hamilton it feels like it's been snowing for like two days straight or whatever so mm-hmm. it's like it's crazy so i was going out to shovel for like the f- second time or whatever in a day and these like neighborhood like girls like i don't know they're probably like 12 13 i don't even know and they're walking around with shovels like shovel like they're already like mm. kind of started the sidewalk in front of my place as i left the place so i was like i was going out to do it and i was like oh hey i'm like are you guys like doing the neighborhood and they're like they're like yeah i'm like and I've, I, you know, we came back from Toronto. I haven't really had a snowstorm like this since we've been back at the house. So I was like, are people like sorting you out with money? Like, I don't even know how to talk to like, to like 12 year olds that are doing like manual labor. <laughs> and they're, they're like some people. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. You can like, yeah, do like do our, our sidewalk and our, our drive and all that. And I, I came in, I'm like, Danica, do we have like any cash? And she's like, for what? And I'm like, there's like neighborhood kids doing the. So I grabbed a 20 and like ran out and gave it to them. And I was like, mm. this is like, this is the dream. I'm like, if I don't have to, I would pay for shoveling all day long. Mm. Do yeah. were they impressed that's, with your $20? That seems like gift? a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were happy, but I, but I don't know what the going rate is. I've never been, I haven't mm. been in this situation ever. So I just kind of panicked and was like, here's a 20 kids. And I mean, I think five is acceptable. 10 would be better. And 20 is extra. It's like 10 each. Yeah, it depends how old they are yeah. too. Because because yeah. it's like an eight, like twenty dollars to like an eight year old is a lot of money. If they're twelve, maybe it's a normal amount of money. Do you know what I mean? So they do five houses. They're making a hundred bucks or fifty, I guess each. It, but but I don't think everyone in the neighborhood. I don't know. They said some people were uh, were sorting them out. So what was the quality of the work? <laughs> well, so I go out there, you know, a bit later, and I'm like, mm, okay, well, you know, could have done it myself. <laughs> well, so Mike, you're you're a lot like you live in a more like sort of traditional city space. So it's like the, the actual like size of like your sidewalk that you're responsible for is actually isn't that big. So it probably shouldn't take too long. Shane, you live in a, in a mansion or something. Guys, right? I've never guys, breaking been, news. Been yeah, Break, breaking news. Uh, Ashley, uh, manager Ash has just texted the group about the the going rate for shoveling. Uh, mm. This is what comes up in, in, in Quora. Depends on how much shoveling there is to do. For a small to standard driveway, I would say $20. If they're shoveling your steps, walkway, driveway, and sidewalk, it could be up to 50 So depending on the no. amount involved, I would say 20 to 50 And you do not state if uh, it was a teenager or someone else's. 
else's. If it was your teenager or somebody else's. Anyway, so it looks like I was closer to the going rate. So Shane, you you sound like you're the cheap one because you have a massive property estate and uh, <laughs> you know you live up on the mountain and you know you have probably a big driveway. Um, you know, a lot of sidewalk yeah, space. For mine, I would give fifty to a hundred. I was thinking about for Mike's uh, dump that he lives in. No, <laughs> no, Mike. Mike has a great place. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I, di- I didn't know that. So yeah, twenty, I guess, is the the bare minimum. W- when you are shoveling, Mike, do you do your neighbor's sidewalk at all? How mm. far do you go to be generous? Yeah, so we have we have like a neighbor, like the the next door neighbor who they they sold their place, so they're it's actually vacant except for the, the they had a basement tenant who's still there, and she's like an older lady. So not only do I do my sidewalk, but I do their sidewalk, and then I also go up their driveway to where the basement apartment goes to because I know she's got to like walk out. Um, mm. And the thing is, my other neighbor on the other side is this guy from the East Coast. He's like the nicest guy ever. And like these East Coast people are so like, I would feel like I see him doing the neighbor's sidewalks. So then I actually feel shamed into doing it if he's out there shoveling as well. Cause I'm like, well, mm. I can't like just look after my property because he's so sort of like thoughtful about everyone in the neighborhood. And then he told me once he's like, oh, you know, and like the key is for street parking, you got to like, got to shovel around the car. So then, so he's telling me all these things, which to me, all I hear is extra work, extra work. But then when we're both <laughs> out there together, I'm like, fuck, I have to match his ambitions or I just. Or I look mm-hmm. lazy. So I act mm-hmm. anyway. And also I like to listen to a podcast while I'm doing it. And then if he's out there, we're going to chat. So I got to take the podcast. You guys know. This is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. oh, it's the worst when you have AirPods in, you're shoveling and a neighbor wants to talk to you and they don't know you can't really hear them. And then you have to take them out and you're holding the AirPods. And- totally. He's also like the nicest guy in the world. I really like that. Guy. Mm-hmm. Have you ever shoveled snow before, Max? <laughs> <laughs> Next question. No, moving um, <laughs> on. Uh, we no. I, I shoveled, especially growing up. Uh, I had to shovel. Though my mom's, we actually were talking about this the other day, because I have a lot of memories of shoveling our front, you know, walkway and, and our sidewalk. And also, my parents brokered a deal with the the neighbor because they were the second house to the corner, and the, the neighbor had a, an extra parking spot. So I think my parents brokered a deal that we'd shovel their like the sidewalk that goes all the way around the side. So like the sidewalk space is probably like three times what ours would be for the parking spot. And I have a lot of memories doing this, but I was talking to my mom the other day and she said, oh, you kids never helped me with the shoveling. I did all the shoveling. And I was like, what are you talking about? I helped you all the time. So my mom seems to think that I was unhelpful. And I don't did know. Did your I can't dad ever help out at all? <laughs> He's just <laughs> reading the book and listening to music. <laughs> my, my dad is a lovely guy, has a lot of talents and strengths that he brings to the family. Like when it comes to like the winter and manual labor, dude is like pretty fucking useless. <laughs> right. Um, like uh, I have no memories of going to the hardware store with my dad ever. Like growing up, it was my mom would go down and, and um, you know, anything that needed to be fixed around the house. But yeah, my, my, my dad doesn't really participate so much in, in, in that. Uh, he's like, I'm not doing it. I'll, I'll pay someone. That actually, that's actually a little closer to like how Danica and I are. And I will say like, yeah. I'm talking about Same shoveling. Danica like uh Danica shovels at least half or more of the time so like we'll like there's times where she's just out there shoveling and I'm in with the kids so it's not like I do all the shoveling we actually do we break it up well I don't let Alex shovel sometimes she'll try or she'll try to brush off her car 
but I'm like, don't you do that? And I'll come out and I'll do it. Not that I want to do it, but I'm worried the neighbors are watching and judging me. So there's nothing to do with me being chivalrous or anything. I'm always just worried about public perception. I do find, though, um, that archetype, um, Mike, that you, you speak of with this, like, East Coast, like, generous person. I wish I had a little bit more of that. Like, I think I'm a generous person in a lot of ways. But when it comes to that, like, I got nothing but time to shovel my neighbor's walkway. to Like, just, like, I have the, the actual time and to do the the like the, the the righteous thing at every possible turn i don't have that in me and i wish i had a little bit more of that in me like like the, those sort of like very like neighborly moves where it's just like you know it's like ah, i was at the beer store got you a case of beer oh i'm gonna shovel your thing or whatever like that thing i totally I have that instinct I, I wish i had a little bit more of that in me I, f- I feel like it's like i don't mind living in that space where it's like i like that they raise my game i always feel better about it i always feel better yeah. about it. it's like i almost i almost need to be around other people that are like that because then it's like i'll rise to their level otherwise my baseline is just get done what i need to get done so i kind of like being surrounded by people like that even though in the moment i'm annoyed after i'm always like that was the right thing to do you know it's like mm-hmm. but yeah. to your point yeah. it's got to be in you you can't really you, you can't like it's got to be who you are. I feel like uh, Owen, Danica's dad, is that kind of guy. He, he he does the right thing, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. He'll yeah. He, yeah. If there's work to be done, like actually, I was doing bath time with Win like yesterday morning, and then her Danica and her dad were like shoveling out an old lady's car across the street, and I was just like, damn. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are like, but I, I it wasn't like I wasn't busy, you know, bathing a toddler. Shane, you know, that's work. Yeah, yeah you know stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. Let's talk about Springsteen. Let's let's. Uh, I've been wanting to get your opinion on this stuff, guys. Let's get to Bruce. Let's get to the boss. Well, the, well, the story is he has a uh, drinking problem, or is that an exaggeration? I don't know. <laughs> what, have you have you followed up on any of this, Shane? What like the puff piece article that Barbara K did to exonerate him? Yeah, I, I read that. <laughs> Barbara Kay, like, is that a National Post columnist? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> they tried to exonerate Bruce for his DUI or whatever it's Yeah, the, the, the bar, he's referring to the, the, the Jessica Mulroney Barbara Kay piece. <laughs> and then the New York Post piece about Bruce that basically said Bruce. So so here's the story. You guys may may have saw yeah. in uh, in the headlines that Bruce got hit with like a DUI or DWI. He was... Uh-huh. He was drinking and then he was driving his motorcycle around. The police pulled him over. Um, and yeah, he got busted back in November. It, it somehow stayed buried until now. We're in February. There was a big Jeep ad with Bruce that came out in the Super Bowl, uh, which is obviously problematic because, you know, obviously he got busted for drinking and driving and now he's the face of driving Jeep or whatever. Uh, so then they had to pull their ad. And then afterward, the reporting came out, and this is the piece that Shane's re- referring to. It said that basically the way it went down was Bruce was on his motorcycle. He pulls over, sees some fans who offer him a shot of alcohol. So he takes the shot of alcohol with the fans. Then he gets back on his motorcycle and he he leaves. But the cops saw him take the shot. So then they pull him over a bit down the road. They say, did you have some alcohol? Blah, blah, blah. He says, yes. They arrest him for the DUI. Apparently, he... He doesn't even come close to blowing over. So his blood alcohol is actually okay, but they still book him. It's all going through the courts and it's everything like, like that. It's like 0.2 or something like that. And, yeah, and it was a super, super, super. 0.08 or something. Yeah. Non-illegal, as I understand it, sort of blood alcohol level. So it does feel a bit like the cops are like, hey, we can arrest Bruce. Uh, or mm. maybe it was to the letter of the law. I don't know, man. I don't live in New Jersey. But uh, it is an interesting story. What, what were your initial thoughts, okay. uh, Maxie, when you saw your hero, Bruce Springsteen, was busted for drunk driving? Okay, well, I went through. It was actually a real roller coaster of emotions. This whole this whole episode, because when it first happened, I was like, "Oh man, you know, like it just kind of goes to show that, like, you know, 
dependence on alcohol or drugs can kind of hit you at any point. Bruce has been very open about his depression, his anxiety. He talks about how he uses medication. So at first I was like, oh man, he must be going through something. Even though he, you know, acted, he did the voiceover in this Jeep ad and he, he's never looked better. You know, he could still be going through something that would cause him to be drinking and driving in the middle of of like, you know, in New Jersey in November, just like by himself. I was like, it was just such like a lonely portrait. And I was, and I I was thinking, I was like, oh, you know, maybe he'll be writing a new album about it. Maybe this like a thing that will, maybe he'll go to rehab. You know, you start kind of going down the road about like, okay, what is this going to mean for his career and what he taught, what he decides to sing about, you know, and as a fan, this is all stuff that interests me. Is he still your hero when you find this out though? Or do you start taking the posters down immediately? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 it kind of humanized them in a way. So, so that was the first thing. It kind of humanized them in a way because compared to other rock stars, he hasn't seemed as tortured as others because he, he's such a, like a physically healthy guy. But he, so even though he said that he suffered from depression and that he's taken medication, I'm like, oh, how bad are you actually compared to other people that really suffer for the art? Yeah, prove so it. This sort of, yeah. yeah, yeah, well, and, and this seemed mm-hmm. to kind of prove it that like, okay, maybe mm-hmm. he has an alcohol problem that we didn't know about or maybe he's developed it later in life, whatever. The second thing that I felt was I was like, you know what? In this era of, um, of you know, uh, I mean, of BLM and uh, when it comes to just the history of police departments profiling, you know, blacks when it comes to, you know, driving around or, or arresting people. It's like I was actually – and knowing that white privileged people have gotten away with so, so, so much and are given uh, typically uh, a much longer leash when it comes to misbehavior – uh, in in North American in American life, I was like, you know what? I actually kind of weirdly feel good that the cops pulled over Bruce for drinking and driving, like like that he's not above the law. So I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe that's weird progress in a way. So I was like, okay, you know, this is this is good that even someone like Bruce Springsteen, who's beloved, who's like the son of New Jersey, is 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 not getting because you can imagine a lot of cops pulling over Springsteen and going, oh, boss. You know, we're gonna let you go. Just get home safe. Like you can imagine that happening, and, and that uh, would not be extended to other types of people necessarily. So that, but then when the story comes out in the New York Post that all Bruce did was like riding around on his motorcycle, <laughs> fans want to do a shot. He fucking does a shot. He's actually not drunk at all, and the cops are just fucking idiots and giving him a ticket for no reason. I was like. The Bruce, the, the boss is back, baby. Like, I love Bruce. It kind of looks <laughs> like a back up. Yeah. Yeah, posters are going back up. Everything's back to how it should be. And the cops are fucking idiots. And, uh, and, and, uh, Bruce is the best. He just wants to, you know, do something nice for a fan that offered him a shot, a shot of tequila. And but so, that doesn't seem safe in COVID times <laughs> to be taking shots. It. Like, how does that work? <laughs> Like is the I, glass clean? They put it. Six I don't know. Maybe he had a, di- a red Dixie cup. That's what I can only assume. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Would you do a shot of tequila if you were driving though, Max? By offered by a fan, they give you a shot of tequila. Would you do that? I mean, I probably. I mean, I wouldn't because uh, I don't trust my tolerance in that way. But Springsteen's probably like, look, I'm a seventy-something. Your old man, I know I can drink one drink and ride 15 minutes home on my bike on an empty road. So, I don't know. That, that's what I imagine uh, he figured. So, along live the boss is, is, is my take on this situation. Yeah, I wonder what the Jeep's take on uh, this situation is right now. Like, can they put the ads back up after he's been exonerated? 
Jeep is actually adding a shot holder where the cup holder used to be in the, <laughs> yeah. in the model that they're selling. <laughs> Honestly, that'd be an awesome spot. Just, uh, well, I think he was on his motorcycle, so he's just like for Harley. Just be like, one one more shot for the road, you know? Yeah. <laughs> in spring scenes, they recreated the whole yeah. thing in this very cinematic way. <laughs> yeah, like a lime and salt edition of Harley. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, um, do, do you guys think? Um, Okay, well, related, when it comes to American heroes drinking, Tom Brady, who is another beacon of health, he got wasted during the Super Bowl parade. Everyone in Florida is not wearing masks or seeming concerned at all about coronavirus. Uh, But there's allegations that he wasn't actually drunk. Have you guys ever pretended to be wasted when you weren't actually that wasted? Hold on, hold on. What's what's the angle here with Brady, though? Just that he was, like, acting, like, playing it up? Yeah, So so basically... Uh, people are speculating, like, and it was maybe mm. confirmed by people that know Brady directly that he wasn't actually drunk. So he, so there's all this footage of him sort of having to be carried out of bars and him acting like a drunken fool. But he wasn't actually drunk. He was just sort of putting on a show for people. I kind of like that move. Huh? That'd be very like uh, Andy Kaufman esque. Almost. It, it says something about his personality that he would sort of mess with perception like that uh, if it's true. Why is it thought that? Uh, I think his buddy, who's like the source on this, says that like Brady doesn't drink or he just wouldn't do that. Or or he talked to Brady on the side saying I actually wasn't drunk. But maybe because, you know, when they won the Super Bowl, everybody was partying. And then Brady just quietly was like packing his bag, as we discussed, and like not really celebrating. So maybe he wanted to go like, okay, you know, it's expected of me to actually like hang out with the guys and be in the celebratory mood. I don't actually want to be hung over tomorrow morning. So let's just pretend I'm drunk. I feel like I've done that before. Like, you know, you're like, ah, I can't do another shot, guys. I'm wasted. And you're actually not that wasted, but you just don't want to do another shot. You know what I'm talking he about? He could have been packing his bags with liquor bottles, though. <laughs> <laughs> he, he could have <laughs> clank, clank. Because when you abstain right for a long time, the Playboys. Though, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you abstain for a long time, though, Max, you want to go all in once it's time. And I think once you win the Super Bowl, he's going to at least have three shots. Mm. And for a man who's abstained and on a very healthy diet, I think those three shots can get you really messed up. Yeah, he doesn't drink any car- eat any carbs either, it seems. So, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it was just like a couple drinks and he's fallen over. But you pretend to be drunk a lot, you were going to say, Max? <laughs> Not a lot, but occasionally... <laughs> When I don't want to do like another drink, I'm like, ah, guys, I'm really feeling it. I can't do another. But it's just because I don't want to. Do you think anyone believes you, though? Like, oh, man, Max was really (laughs) wasted last night. I don't know. You have to tell me. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't feel like you're a good actor. That, yeah, back in the like the uh, the before times when we all used to hang out at bars and drink, you were sort of a classic like Houdinier. You would just sort of mm. be gone. Like you turn, it'd be one twenty in the morning. You turn around and you say, "Where'd Max go?" And it's like you just well, slip out when you get a little I'm too a fir- drunk. I'm a firm believer that you don't need to say bye to anybody when you're out out and about. You just it's yeah. stupid. It's, it's, goodbye is like goodbye, goodbye. It's like I'll see you tomorrow. Who gives a shit? Nobody cares. And and then and then you also open yourself up to people going, "No, you're not going anywhere, buddy. Sit right back down here." <laughs> that like. Oh, oh, he's leaving us. Oh, okay, okay. You're asking to be ribbed. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what I'm looking for. It's like, I know I should be going home. So like, hey, guys, gotta go. They're like, no, Mikey, sit down for a moment. I'm like, what? They had to. They told me to stay. Yeah, it is a good attention move. Yeah. <laughs> but you can, you can tell Dan could be like, I tried to get out of there like midnight. It's and the, the truth. guys were just killing me and I needed it. Yeah, yeah that's what I was doing. But uh, do you believe Tom Brady was drunk, Shane? Yes, I do. 
And I think he, he maybe he doesn't want to admit that he's drunk or maybe he feels embarrassed. So he's just saying he was playing it up. <laughs> he's in trouble with Giselle. So he's literally <laughs> he's created this whole narrative. <laughs> I've got a hot tip. He calls it in like with the fake voice, <laughs> the fucking the Washington Post. The, the Tampa Bay Times. <laughs> Brady, uh, he wasn't actually drunk. <laughs> <laughs> the the idea of sources though is that's always good. Like yeah, um, like I just Trump like the idea of him source. with the, the the newspaper, like the headlines. Brady wasn't drunk, and he's sitting there in the living room when Giselle comes downstairs in the morning. <laughs> See. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, do you guys want to get to uh, Captain yeah, Reitman? Get, let's get to Captain Reitman. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, friend of the pod excellent excellent person uh we love her like i said uh she was uh, she agreed to be part of our very first live show at the rivoli we had never met her before manager ash actually had the idea of her being our future guest at that that rivoli show um you can go back and listen to that episode we ended up sort of playing the live audio it was this this a magical magic magical night um and she was amazing and she made it uh, fantastic just with her ability to sort of like riff and be so funny and sort of roll with the punches and and just go with 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 the sort of the stories and find little pockets of jokes and we were saying sort of this interview is it was great you know because like Catherine's always great but it's a damn shame that the four of us couldn't be in the same room together because it, it just it had an energy that time at the Rivoli and it wouldn't really fun to sort of redo that and we will in the future but today we did it on zoom uh again the reason that Catherine is here on our podcast is because working moms is in season five uh the series premieres tuesday february 16th at 9 p.m on cbc and cbc gem uh so that might be uh tomorrow as we're recording this on monday it might be tonight if you're listening to it on a tuesday and it might already be premiered if you're listening to this later in the week so please check it out guys do you want to get to Catherine? Renton? let's do it Um, Catherine, I know it's family day, so we are just going to jump right in. First of all, uh, welcome back uh, to the pod. This is very different than the last time all four of us were together, which was on a stage at the Rivoli in downtown Toronto. So fun. I know. That was amazing. That was like still one of the best. We still get messages all the time about how great that was. Mm-hmm. Like, when are you guys doing it again? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My dad still talks about that podcast. He's like, those <laughs> boys were so nice. <laughs> it was a big fan. And I, it was such a it was such a fun night. It was. It was. Um, well, uh, for our listeners, it is family day in, in Ontario and Canada right now. I don't know about you, Catherine, or you, Shane, but like literally when I, I forgot it was family day. So I was like, yo, let's yeah, let's do this. Love to talk to yeah. Catherine. And I was like, oh, shit, everybody's home. So right now I'm in the bedroom sequestered while my daughter and wife are running around downstairs. So if you hear like noises piping in I, I apologize are you in the oh, same boat Catherine? my kids will 100 percent crash this interview they're right outside <laughs> i had phil i also forgot it was family day and so did my husband think that's why we're a perfect match but he i told him to, they're stacking wood right outside the house and i think he was hoping that that would like but the only way we can get him to do that is if we promise him hot chocolate with marshmallows which is like it's a ticking time but any any moment he's going to storm in here with hot chocolate so just a heads up yeah, my daughters are playing upstairs right now. So yeah, same ticking time bomb. Shane, how old are your daughters? I have a two-year-old daughter and a uh, seven-month-old daughter. Seven months. Yeah. So she was born in quarantine. <laughs> yeah. 
Wow. And uh, actually, right before we started, while you were in the waiting room, we had to delay because Max was eating his cereal. So that's what Max has going on today. (laughs) We're all at different points in our life. Yeah. Yeah. We all got our struggles. How old is your cereal? Is it challenging? (laughs) (laughs) Do you just feel like it's aging you? What kind yeah, of cereal, though, for real? I want to know about I was actually, cereal. It was actually a little uh, bacon and eggs. This oh, I thought it was, it was cereal. Like cereal. Oh. Okay. No, I was kind of shoveling in my mouth like it was cereal, though. I was, yeah, sorry about the delay there, guys. Imagine taking the solo time to just make bacon and eggs for yourself. Well, actually, Ash, I'm at Ash's place because that's where I was doing this uh, Okay, so it was for two. Here. It was for two. And she made it. And yeah, and she's listening. So she's for a brilliant Ashley's breakfast. the best. Made. Yeah, she's yeah. the best. <laughs> Um, yeah. So I, first of all, what do you like, what does your day look like? What is it? Like, what are you doing today after this? Are you, like, are you going to help with the wood or are you just on chocolate? Like hot Fuck chocolate? No. <laughs> Fuck no. Um, I'm not, despite how built I am, cause I'm fucking ripped. Uh, I'm not a physical, like I'm not a manual labor chick. Um, I'm like a real mind games. Like if we were in like, if I was like in a Katniss Everdeen hunger Games situation, I wouldn't be someone who could like outrun somebody or climb a tree, but I could mind game someone to fucking death, guys. Mm. I can psychologically win. So that's where my strengths are. Didn't answer the question, but I'm not outside with the wood. <laughs> uh, today, I've got two meetings. We're, we're premiering uh, tomorrow night. So we're sort of gearing up all the press pieces for season five of Working Moms. Woo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, speaking of season five, congrats, season five. Uh, the show just grows and grows and grows since the last time uh, that we spoke, which is amazing. Actually, speaking of that, how much do, do you feel like, obviously, you guys went over to Netflix as well as still being with CBC. How much of an accelerant do you feel like Netflix was to sort of broaden uh, uh, sort of the reach of the show? I mean, big time, right? It's what you imagine it to be. It's insane. Like for the first, uh, I think we joined Netflix season three. And I'm trying to remember when we did the Rivoli, but it was uh, for the first two years. I mean, for the first year, I would just, you know, no one knew what the show was. Um, And then by season three in Toronto, people started to recognize us and and watch the show. But it really Netflix. What breaks my heart is I'll walk around Toronto and, you know, taxpayer dollars pay for a big portion of the CBC. It's a public broadcaster. And I'll be like, and someone will be like, oh, I love the show. And I'm like, what do you watch it on? praying that they're going to say CBC or CBC gem. And so many people watch it on, even here on Netflix. It's just, it's the way people consume, right? I mean, it's the way I consume. Uh, do you get, do you find that you get recognized vastly? Can you walk around Toronto these days? Or I feel like you must be like, you're everywhere. You're on all the billboards. Like what's, what's the, what's your recognizability <laughs> at this point? I don't know if that's true, but I, um, recognizability, uh, it's, I think it's definitely changed. It probably depends where you're at. Right? Like, it depends on the context. So it's like, if you're in a place where you think the, the Working Moms demo would be, there's like a heightened totally. chance, right? Yeah, yeah. Totally. And my favorite is when I'm somewhere that the demo is not Working Moms. <laughs> and like, a fucking like, busboy or someone will be like, hey! And I'm like, that's my dude right there. Although I was at the park with Max. Uh, we were recording something for um, the Red Cross Canada. And a grump, a bunch of young women came up, and I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Sorry, Max. I'm just going to take a minute to uh, say hi to my fans. And they were like, Max? And they were all about Max. Max is like, this is my friend Catherine. They're like, uh-huh. When are you touring next? That was, uh, that was fun. 
that was fun. That was good. Uh, well, I wanted to ask, I was just watching the season five trailer for Working Moms. And this is a two-part question actually about Phil's body. Go. <laughs> now, go. Is, go. Is, one, is his body always like that? And two, if so, how? <laughs> Asking for a friend. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, you guys are all ripped, young, beautiful male specimens. So Agreed. don't let not quite like Phil. <laughs> Definitely. Do not let his redonkulous body intimidate you. Um, he his body is not always like that. Like that was to a degree, which frankly, guys, I wouldn't recommend. I mean, it's like a, it's a lifestyle. You know what I mean? To be <laughs> yeah, ripped like have that. Have abs like that. Yeah. Um, sexy AF, but mm-hmm. a lot of work. And he's always like in good shape. He's like, we both like to work out, but he, for the show, got into like, I don't eat 14 hours a day shape. He did that like intermittent fasting thing. That's discipline. And yeah, real discipline and worked out like a demon with a great trainer virtually. And uh, yeah, the kids were like, what? Who wrote his body into the show to be that way? <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know. I, I, that's a, it's a good question, though. Probably someone else. <laughs> Probably someone who doesn't have sex with him. <laughs> Speaking of uh, of season five, uh, it's anyone producing sort of TV at this point in time. There's these sort of like inevitable, like sort of unavoidable hurdles with the pandemic. What right. was your approach uh, to sort of how you were going to sort of like not only narratively sort of build your show during a pandemic, do you acknowledge it, do you not acknowledge it? Or, and also sort of how you practically did it. Was it weird to be on set? Walk us through that. It's super weird. I mean, I don't know if you've guys spoken to anyone else who uh, shot during this pandemic. It's it's terrible, man. It's, um, you know, look, I think the, the way people usually imagine shooting a television show is that it's like some very like old fashioned glamorous thing, you know, where's my cappuccino, but it's grunt work, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's long hours. It's very physical. Uh, we're, uh, we're a set, um, we're a location show more than a set show. So when you're seeing us in apartments and homes and offices, a lot of those places are actual locations in Toronto, as opposed to, the Big Bang Theory or something where it's on a set and it looks like there's nothing outside the windows. So we're going in and out of small locations with narrow stairwells and I have a 180 person crew full of, you know, huge equipment and everyone's in masks and everyone's being tested two to three times a week. So that part of it was kind of brutal, but this amazing bond happens where I've never experienced anything like it. Like about half for the first two weeks, you don't trust anybody. For the first two weeks, you're like, what are you doing on the weekends? You better not be touching people. Absolutely. And the people with kids, you're like, okay, like you start overanalyzing it. You're like, okay, on the weekends, I'm sure they have kids, right? So they're at home more. They're not going out interacting. But then like the millennial Zoomer generation, because you got a few of those, you're like, what are they doing on the weekends? Are they going to coffee shops? You can't go to coffee shops. (laughs) Not when you're shooting. Like you're just so terrified. And of course... The one person who got it was like a school teacher, like her husband was a school teacher. It was oh. not not some Zoomer, right? And it didn't shut us down. She she isolated for a couple days and came back after testing negative and we got through it. And we yeah. were incredibly bonded by the end of it. By the end, we were like a family. 
And then narratively, how do, what was the approach? Were you guys like, do we want to do a, a season where it's an alternate world where this thing doesn't exist? Or, and I mean, we've all seen episode one, lots of laughs, uh, you know, I, and it was interesting the sort of choices you made. And I was just, I was wondering what that, that process was like. Thanks. Yeah. We, um, so we, we broke to, we have this like blue sky period for two weeks where all the writers get together. And this was prior to the pandemic where we're like, what if Kate, I don't know, was married to a guy who was really in shape and whatever. We like throw <laughs> ideas against the wall. It just kept on coming up every day. Like, okay. <laughs> They're like, Catherine, okay. I'm like, no, no, but like an eight pack. They're like, yes, yes, he's fucking right. budget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then we broke to write the scripts and it just so happened that we broke the exact day in March Mm. where lockdown happened. So everyone went and wrote their scripts that had nothing to do with coronavirus. And we got back together and it was like a discussion. It was like, do we want this? Do we want to address it? I don't know. Do you guys want to watch your show, your favorite show where everyone's in masks? No. I mean, this is the question that everyone's struggling with. I absolutely don't. Mm -hmm. Like I heard that uh, Grey's Anatomy right now is like everyone's in masks and a lot of people are actually struggling to watch it because... I mean, it's an amazing show and it's very addictive, but it's challenging, right? You're already dealing with it so much in your own personal life. So for me, I wanted the fans to be able to come back and go back to what they knew about the show, you know, fucking chicks and skirt suits, smashing glass ceilings and not in masks, not talking about it. So we address it really quickly, like five minutes into episode one, it's the coronavirus. And then it's sort of a title card. And then we pick up several months after the coronavirus when the world's opening back up none of us are in masks um yeah i just i just couldn't handle the idea of a coronavirus season hey catherine on that note you 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 talked about like being in the writer's room and just like thinking about what themes to explore and and it's like you know it's a very funny show and it can but it's also can be a very heavy show when it it comes to like you know the the real life decisions that families have to make and partners have to make with each other and there's divorces and getting back together um are are you constantly like you know taking notes of stories that you've heard from that other couples are going through or things are happening in your own life and like what do those conversations look like in the writers room where you're like oh you know I had a friend who actually and then like they tell a story and that leads to maybe a moment uh, or an episode of the of the show like yeah talk talk about how those conversations sound oh for sure yeah I mean a lot of our season one I mean you want to, I'm such a narcissist man like season one was just one hundred percent based off of my own experiences, because it was actually six women in the room. None of them were moms except for me. Um, I just liked their samples. They were funny. And I didn't, a lot of the mom samples I was reading were so like, I don't know. They were just like, like you've heard it, like they were broad and it was generic and it didn't sound premium and fresh. And since then, of course, I've gotten tons of awesome mom writers. But at at the time it was just me and a bunch of like really cool women. So it was all based off of my own experiences. And now, yeah, every time I'm like, you know, it would be fun. What would, because it's season five, as opposed to season one, you know, you start to, it's, you start to go, okay, what if we put this character in the most unusual circumstance there? And then people start going, you know, my husband and I did that, or, you know, my girlfriend and I, whatever. And from that, we sort of grow relatable moments. What did you really want to say in that moment when you were dealing with that asshole nurse? Um, mm. And how do we build a scene around that? Yeah, even even the theme of like you know Val flying it to uh, moving to Calgary and like that decision is is something that like I know you've moved around, but like 
it's, it's an interesting idea to play with. You're like, okay, if you if your friend moves away and then you have to go visit them, like all you know, it's like those are things that it was it was that was that a specific thing that happened to you, or where did that idea come from? For sure, I was born and raised in LA, and I moved out to Toronto five years ago for the show, and all my friendships became long distance. Of course, ex- with the exception of the amazing friendships I've made here. I say that, and I actually don't have a lot of friends. I feel like all I do is work and parent. Like, who has, like, like, I know you guys are very close, and you, you're, you like, cool dudes, so you probably have lots of friends, but, like... Not really. Does no. anyone... <laughs> like, Just these like, guys. What are friendships, right? Like, what do you... I don't know, like, uh, like, I just want to get into, like, real territory here. Like, what is friendship anymore? Like, mm-hmm. right now... This is it all, for, for us, yeah. This is it? I, the, the only time I see these... These guys, Mike and Max, is when we're shooting, when we're doing the pod. Yeah. This is it. I feel like I don't. So in a way, Anne moving to Calgary is like what I meant Anne, my bad. Sorry about that. Sorry, Catherine. I said Val. I meant Anne. Sorry. Yes. Oh, please. <laughs> well, Val had, Val had some killer lines in the oh, season yeah. one of episode <laughs> five. So hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Val is a crowd placer. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we're all long distance now. I don't, I don't know. I think... The social awkwardness that's going to happen when we get get out of this thing, you guys, and watching, like, even my kids are going back to school next week. And, like, I can tell they're like, so when we see people, like, when we see kids, we just, we just say, hey, right? We just say hi. I'm like, that's it. You just walk up. You say, what's up? You see what's going on? Ask them, ask them how their day was. Like, they're, like, looking for cues on how to interact again, you know? Mike, you, you and I actually had a, a, a normal phone call. Uh, we've actually had a couple of them in the last week because the yeah. time we only really talked to each other on the podcast and and obviously there's a performer nature to that and then we just chatted on the phone and it felt so good because i haven't had just like mm. a mic hang you know w- which normally would take place at a bar or going to a raptors game or something like that and it was like oh god i miss this like yeah it's hard to uh hard to get that in and, and you know some people aren't phone people i don't even know if i'm necessarily a phone person but that's kind of what, what well, we're working with right now. It wasn't. It was. It wasn't a planned thing. It was kind of organic. It's like you called me to sort of gossip about basketball, and then <laughs> yeah. after like five minutes of that, we actually just kind of got in. Like we just kind of started, you know, getting down to it, like we would at a bar. But I mean, mm-hmm. to your to your question, Catherine, that's kind of what's happening right. What is friendship right now? It's like it's zooms, it's phone calls, it's backyards. If the weather's all right, which right now we're in these two sort of dreadful months, and I think yeah. that this is like where people are just sort of holding on until the weather gets better and the vaccines show up. But like you said, how do we reintegrate? Like, your, you know, your children going to school, us, like that first party in a house is going to be fucked up. Like you're going to be sitting yeah. there with a drink and you'd be like. For sure. And like promiscuity. I'm so curious about, <laughs> I mean, right? Right? Like I feel like like STDs are just going to fucking, it's going to be like the 60s. Like it's just going to yeah. blow. It's going to be free It'll love be the again. The new pandemic will be STDs. That's right. Yeah. It's going to be some sort of fucking like miniature rat that grows in your bush. Like there's going to be some crazy ass <laughs> STD that comes out of the, when we reopen. And they'll be like, it just so happens that the vaccine makes it worse. Yeah, it accelerates the rat in the bush. It grows larger. No. Yes. Yeah. We have people stop after having this vaccine. The rats, they're taking over the city. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I guess, uh, Cheney, did you have a question? You look like you're about to say something. Yeah, I was going to ask about since we are all we all are cooped up right now. So obviously your partner is somebody you're around 24 seven. And not only is are you parenting with him, you're working with him. Are you arguing way more or having disagreements way more? Do you find? Oh, for sure. Yeah. 
And are they mostly about work or parenting, do you think? Ooh, the dirty double. Um, <laughs> it depends. I mean, we're actually, we're a very good partnership in that we know when to tap out, which is like part of it, right? Part of it is you have to be, you have to be able to like get that crazy 10,000 foot view where you're looking down at yourself and being like, oh, this could get ugly. <laughs> and you got to like know when to tap out and be like, okay, um, I'm not in a good headspace. And I don't want to say anything I regret. We both are also like, we love therapy. So we've become very good at communicating vulnerably, which is not Couples my strong therapy suit. or separately? Uh, both. I think couples therapy was something we sort of like agreed upon going into marriage. It wasn't like there was some big inciting incident. It was just sort of like, Hey, we want to do this forever. Right. And, um, we also want to like raise a family and make a bunch of TV, which is kind of like another family. So if we're going to do this right, if we want to be part of this tiny percentage of people that can work together and raise kids together, we got to do it right. So we don't, we don't mess around. We take therapy seriously. We take communication seriously, but there are times where I feel like I'm a really shitty communicator. So I have to tap out. Um, but yeah, fights are definitely happening. I mean, are they happening with you guys? <laughs> yeah, for me, though, it's all about because we started working together once the pandemic struck and I found Oof. all of our parenting disagreements are, are meaningless now and everything is just about the work, the side hustle. Does that feel less personal and better for you? Um, I, I, I find that it annoys my wife way more, like yeah. because she doesn't want to be so rigid and scheduled, but I find for work to work. You need to have a schedule. So I feel more like I'm her boss than her partner. I know so that, that is, unco it's an uncomfortable uh, situation. But, so but something I wanted to ask, because uh, you had mentioned about a, a hospital fantasy. And this is something my, my wife mentions quite often. Her name's Alex. But the, I was watching an interview with you and about season one, the impetus for the show was almost this hospital fantasy. Yeah. And what that is for the listeners is when you want to get in, a semi-serious accident where you're you're yeah. you're just well enough where you need to be you're just hurt enough where you need to be in the hospital but you're well enough to be fine your kids are still looked after yeah. and you're waited on hand and foot by people who in the hospital the nurses do you still have that or has the job replaced that fantasy oh you know it's such a good question because it's been a long time since i've like talked about that um I think it's upgraded to like a private hospital. <laughs> That's success. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like the fantasy has gotten more specific mm. and my kids are like the, the same principle, right? Kids are well taken care of. Husband's fine. Husband's probably enjoying break, right? Um, is the, hold on, just is the psychology behind this fantasy that you just get to be tended to? Is is that like as a as a mother who who has to do all the the work? Is that where I think it's is, like is, guilt or is this free? You get to be tended to without the guilt because you can't actually do anything because you're legitimately okay. hurt. You know what's changed it a little bit though is I don't want people around me. Mm. Like it's like robots. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Nailed it. They have six packs. I want, too. <laughs> I want with six packs. ripped robots. I want ripped robots all around me. Drinking cans of oil, ignoring me, uh, except for delivering me pizza and wine. No, it's it's um it's to be alone more. I think in season one I wanted to be hand taken care of 
And now I'm always around people. Like I'm developing another show and I'm, I've got my parents that I kind of take care of a little bit. So I've, I have all these different people that I, I'm just constantly interacting with. So the idea of just being like alone, I think that's the new fantasy. It's like a hospital where like I hit buttons and things are left at the door, uh, but I don't have to interact with anybody. Maybe right. one robot, maybe one robot. Yeah. The, uh, what were you gonna say something, Shane? I was just gonna ask what the next project is and is it about ripped robots? <laughs> yes, yes <laughs> it absolutely that's is. What it is. It's literally called Rip Robots. Um, space, it's yeah. just me and a robot on an island. You do the math, you know, <laughs> keeping ourselves busy. Um, no, it's a, uh, I don't think I can talk about it quite yet, but it's, um, I promise you as soon as it, it's, it's a go, I will, I will talk to you guys about it. It's, mm, it's really exciting. Yeah. And it's, um, I can, I can say that it's not in the, it's not exclusively in the comedy space, which is really fun for me. It's mm. a, a thriller, uh, thriller comedy hybrid. Wow. Ooh. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Right in my alley. That's yeah. cool. Are you, I mean, you're talking about sort of a next project. I, this is kind of a two-part question. I guess, one, how long would you, if, if you, you know, could, would you see Working Moms go? Uh, and then two, philosophically, are you somebody that is always thinking about the future, five steps ahead? Like some people get very sort of in that, or are you like, I need to be present and focus on the task at hand? It's a really good question. And uh, to answer your first question about working moms, you know, it's a conversation we're having right now where we're like, you know, how long does this exist? How, I also don't want to overstay my welcome. You know, I want this show feels so special to me and it's so personal to me. I want to make sure that it, you know, it doesn't become sort of generic sellout. I want, I want it to still have an appeal. Um, and for your second question, Present or future? You got it. Yeah, I think um, I do think about the future all the time um, because I, I got, you know, like, I don't know, I, I want to do a bunch of stuff and I'm not young. I'm getting older. So the, as you get older, you start realizing, you start feeling the clock and you start realizing like, God, there's, I, it would be such a shame if I didn't take advantage of this period to do this, that and the other. Um, and being present something I'm desperately, painfully working on. And I've like discovered there's a few things I do that make me present hanging out with my dog. So my dog, have you ever, do you guys have dogs? Cat no. man. Cat, yeah. Cat man. Yeah. Does this happen with cats? I actually have never spoken to someone about this. Like when you're with your cat, do you feel very present? Is it just all pets do this? In moments, if, 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 if he's on my chest and we're having a moment, but otherwise they're very independent and I can do my life, he can do his life. It, it, it's how I right. prefer it. Totally. Yeah. I have a needy dog, which is like, fucking my last story in my life but he he's like when i'm with him i feel like i'm very present or you know like i'm i'm writing a feature for somebody right now and as i'm writing it i get so overwhelmed with big picture and when am i going to finish it and when's it due and how do i get to the end of it and uh, a trick i use that i learned in production when i'd get overwhelmed because i'd be missing my little kids and i would think about how i've got fucking eight more weeks of this how am i going to get through it is it's just like one scene at a time. Mm -hmm. yeah. One scene at a time. Let's just make the scene as funny as fucking possible. Let's be efficient. Let's be a pro. Let's get through it. And now it's the same in writing. It's I'm trying to apply that to all things. It's like just one one scene at a time, one hour at a time, one one step at a time. That's all you can do, right? So with so with the dog, is it just like looking at the dog <laughs> going, this is this other breathing, living thing who doesn't have a lot on his mind and I just kind of want to entertain this dog and maybe we go for a walk and the dog is really fascinated by 
you know, that shrub over there. So maybe I can think about just, you know, just like my, my immediate surrounding. Uh, is that the kind idea? Of. Walking is no good because if I start walking, I'm thinking about what I'm doing later. Mm. But if like if the dog is sitting in front of me and I'm like rubbing his ear and I'm looking for that spot, you know, um, (laughs) as I'm looking for it and I'm all I'm doing is thinking about it and then he'll lock eyes with me. I find myself just think, you know, it's it just brings me to the moment in a way that, you know, if I'm with my husband talking about, well, what do you want to do? I can't slow down, you know. Do you set boundaries with Phil? Like, you're like, you know what, eight o'clock. Let's not fucking talk about the show. Like, let's just not do that. Or, or like, or is there like deliberate things that you guys are like, we're on a date night, no talking about work, or no talking. Like, how, how what have was you that set thing you just boundaries? said? A date what? <laughs> um, kind of. We say boundaries, Shane. I want to know how you do this. I mean, we we don't like we don't respect each other's boundaries. <laughs> We like, we'll say like, Hey, we shouldn't talk shit. We shouldn't talk work shit in bed. And then we get in bed and we get an email that's exciting or scary or whatever. And needs, you know, needs to be answered quickly. And there it goes. But yeah, I'm sure that's not how we should be doing it. It's not, that doesn't like lead to fucking great sex or like intimate connection that leads to stress and sleeping like shit. So I think you should set boundaries and honor them. We do a date night one night a week. And that means How, where, what? It's just Wednesday night. We have a wine delivery subscription. So every Wednesday night, we drink half a bottle of wine each and Mm -hmm. we play a board game and we uh, have sex. (laughs) That's how you do it. Shane, does anyone ever drink more than their half and then that leads to tension? No, no, we split it up. I'm obsessive about making sure that it's even. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You pour it all the way out and all the way out to make the sure The wine it's- glass, I wish I had it here. It's the biggest wine glass in the world. So literally uh, one glass brim. is half the bottle. Yeah. No, it's it's not even to the brim. It's just a huge glass. Oh, it's like a goblet. Yes, exactly. You're like Game of Thrones at your 100%. house on Wednesday. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And Mike, how old's your daughter? Uh, she's two and like three months. She's just, just so she's past two. she's going to bed early. Yeah, well, yeah, but she's a scammer. So like we started uh-huh. at seven and then I'm there till 815. You know, it's like, you know how it goes. Yeah, it's some bullshit. It is. It is. And she's yeah. a sophisticated scammer too, man. She pulls out all this. It's like, oh, okay. Now you want to brush your teeth. And anyway, I need to be the boss. I'm dealing with it. You know, I, it's like hard. She's very funny. But you so. want that in a girl. You want a girl to be a scammer and smarter than the average bear. With boys, uh, it's so fucking simple, dude. It's just like, I am in <laughs> penis world, fart world right now. She farts all the time. <laughs> Dicks out all the time. That's my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> Shaney, I, I, it's funny because sometimes there's a little bit of a choppiness. For our listeners, sometimes these Zooms get choppy. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys are experiencing that as yeah, well. Yeah, a little so, bit. Oh, Zoom delays my whole life, yeah. Yeah, so, I, so I'm like, I, I'm trying to like manage this thing and play a bit of point guard where I'm like, oh, he almost spoke, but I'm like, no, that was from five seconds ago where his No, just moved. go, Mike. Don't worry about I've already spoken too much. You, you asked. I got out of here. You, no. you asked all the hard-hitting <laughs> questions. I like, would about, agree that Shane has talked way too much. <laughs> <laughs> Most people do. Yeah. Normally I'm not invited to these. Uh, uh, yeah. But I mean, Max, do you have any other questions? I mean, again, like the show is doing awesome, which is so exciting to see for you. Cause I, and I was thinking about it. You said, when did we do the Rivoli? I believe season two was just about to premiere. Uh, and then we were, we were chatting. I could be wrong about that, but that's just off the top of my mind. Um, and then you guys had season four 
was airing when the pandemic happened and you were supposed to come on actually in February, uh, I believe. Right. And then it got delayed and we're like, oh, too bad because we all would have got together in person. And this is the thing. Don't delay people because you never know when like a, you know, a life shattering pandemic will come along and you won't be able to get together. We shouldn't have pushed. Let's go back to the Rivoli as soon as this fucking thing opens up. Yes. I'm down. I'd kill for that. Okay, I one more question for you, Catherine. You know, I love, um, I'm talking to somebody, uh, like a songwriter, for instance. I like to ask about reference points. Be like, okay, well, what was the, the sound? Oh, shit. That was... Is Alexa Sorry, talking in the back? Alexa was not yeah, invited. That Alexa is always yeah. listening. Yeah. yeah, always listening. Um, <laughs> Alexa's the... like, I have a question for Catherine too, Max. <laughs> Will there She's be like, a movie? you guys really blew it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a list this long of real questions. <laughs> um, you know, I like to know like, oh, what's the, what's the inspiration behind that keyboard sound? Or were you listening right. to a particular album when you, you know, made that song? Because it reminds me of this Neil Young album or whatever it is. Um, I, the, the trailer for the new season of Working Moms is very exciting. And it, and it feels more like <laughs> an action movie or something. Something. Um, was it for for that specifically? Was it like, oh, you know, it would be fun if we kind of went in that direction to, you know, uh, to to lead with with this season. Uh, that is was, so was observant of mind? you, Max. Mm-hmm. It's, you're, you're, that's so observant because we got these two new, just fucking great editors, these two chicks, and you know, you, we've we've been lucky. We've had a lot of really good editors, but these two women... Uh, shout Mariana, them out. What are their, shout them out. We have industry people listen to us. What are their names? Okay, awesome. Mariana Corey and Lindsay Alacas. I'll, uh, I'll send you their names. Maybe you can put them on. Um, they're brilliant. And um, they cut together... And, and, and Chuck, who is our assistant editor, uh, they, they cut together these, these promos and they feel like just... We call them a... Um, what are they called? Um, okay, you're at the you're at the uh, you're at the um, <laughs> you're at a theme park or a carnival, and you're riding on top of the thing that goes round and round. Graviton, and round. gravitron, a carousel. 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 <laughs> it's not a hard word. It's not. Come a, on, Mike. See, no, I'm gonna hate no. myself for not remembering that yeah. word. Can you well, edit I, that out? I said gravitron. If you want to, if you want another yeah, go, start we can it again. cut it. Let's edit. Yeah. No, don't, no. Show me, show me as flawed. It's important. Keep it real. It's important for me as important for you. It's okay to have flaws. It's okay to not remember carousel. It's a fucking easy word though. I'll give you that. Um, It's called a carousel where it's just like a thematic thing where as opposed to showing one character going through something, it's exciting moments from every character. And I thought, uh, I thought they killed it Mm -hmm. with this year's promos. I love them. Yeah, it is very uh, cinematic, which leads me to my last question. Will there ever be a working mom's movie? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, how do you guys feel about Sex in the City making a movie? You think it's cool? You think it's weird? You think it's uh, taking advantage? I don't know if I love it. <laughs> yeah. Exploitative. Shits is doing it too, right? Shits is making a movie. Oh, Are there really? really? I didn't know. Yeah. I think it all depends if it's good or not. Like, I feel like the <laughs> sure. first Sex in the yeah. City movie was good. And then I feel like it dropped off a little bit. I haven't seen. Shane, it. are you a are you a Sex in the City fan? No. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sounds like no. A I'm yes. not. No, I'm not. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, I think it's like it's wonderful if you already know if the fans are like we know the world of the characters and we want to see it and feel closure. I think it's a great opportunity. I don't know if I would do that though. Max, can I ask you a question? Yeah. And you have to pretend to be a hundred percent truthful and honest, or I will okay. never. Do this podcast again. Okay. Ooh. When we sang together, 
Do you think I have the chops to sing? Like, do you think I've got real capabilities, real skill? I think you do. I think you could uh, parlay what you do into some sort of like Broadway. I feel like, I don't know if you're a pop star. I don't know if you're putting out a folk album, but I think you could uh-huh. do like the theater. I, I think that's Performative. Performative, yeah. Because you can, you, you can carry a tune. You, like, like, you know what I mean? Like you're not uh, tone deaf. Max, if you're pulling my leg, I, I, I'm going to be pissed. No, 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 no. I, I think that's your next career move. Uh, fuck the, the other shows you're working on right to Broadway. Is, is is what you should I wait doing. till I'm like 50 see that'd be a cool like, second, half of, your... full <laughs> second right? half of my life on just one of those old Do angry it. dames on the stage <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to say the word dame that's what you <laughs> old <want>. angry <laughs> dames 100%. that's kind of the title of this episode yeah an old Carousel angry dame with Catherine right Reitman. there <laughs> it's just me and a fucking cane, even though I don't need it. Yeah, Catherine, we we do. Um, you know, the, the the each episode is titled with something stupid that somebody said during the episode. So, I, yes. with your permission, it, it's going to be old angry dame, the Catherine Reitman interview. All right, excellent. You got you got. Uh, in case there's a delay, yes, <laughs> approved. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, enjoy the rest of your family day. You know, you're not doing the wood, so I'm not going to say good luck chopping that stuff up. But, uh, no. but yeah, next time, when we can get on a stage again, maybe not Broadway, uh, we're going to listen to you sing. We're going to do an interview. All four of us will get up there and we'll do it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Catherine. Really, really appreciate it. I have it. so much fun with you guys. Thank you. Right. You're the best. Bye. Bye. Welcome back. Thank you so much to Catherine Reitman. Check out Working Moms uh, on CBC and CBC Gem. Um, yeah. Guys, what'd you think of Catherine? Oh, she's hilarious. Like, even with the Zoom delays and all the problems that come along with doing a Zoom call, especially if you want to be funny, she seems to always have the perfect comedic timing. Yeah. Which I'm very jealous of. Yeah, it's almost like she knew the part, like she either waited for the pauses or she would just go anyway and, and and trust it all to fall into place. And it always it always did. Yeah, she's the best. Yeah, she seems like she'd be like, like a good uh, collaborator, um, you know, because mm-hmm. she's not she's obviously like the star and creator of the show, but she's also like running the set and has to work very closely with like, you know, basically every member of the team. And she's uh She's obviously really smart, but treats people really well, has a great sense of humor. It makes puts people at ease. I noticed in the interview, uh, she did the thing, which is such a pro move, where she went, great question. Oh, that's a really good question. And even just like that kind of feedback makes the question asker obviously feel really good. And I can imagine her on set just making people feel really good about their job and getting the most out of them. So. Kudos to her. Yeah, I think that's the first time anyone's ever said good question to one of my questions. So I was really on cloud nine. I was trying not to show it. I was just like trying to be like stoic about it. But yeah, that was a really exciting moment. (laughs) Well, I will say that the the Zoom freeze helped with your stoicism in that moment. Um, (laughs) But uh, it was a great question. When you asked it, I was sitting here thinking, that's a a great question. And then she said it. And I was like, "Hmm, I'm glad she said it because it was worthy of it. I can't even remember what I asked. I'll have to listen to this interview. Yeah. Uh, Guys, it is time for Shane's dessert. This is, this is going to be a long episode. We're, we're cooking today, man. Yeah, we tried to keep all these episodes under an hour to keep the editing a little faster, but uh, here we are. The conversations are too good. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I'm, I don't know how... I'll try to keep this one short. 
long story short, okay, my my troll is retiring. <laughs> so, so I'll read you a message I just got randomly um, the other day. Uh, okay, so he said, his name is Jack Pine, the troll. This is an alias. He said, okay, it's been fun ripping you, but I don't feel right shredding you anymore. You know, priorities change and it's just become too easy. <laughs> You've already become such a shell of yourself. A, a, a burn on the I, way out. I, I like it. I have to deactivate Jack Pine. Not for any legal reasons or anything. Just time. I said, who is the real Jack Pine? He said, I feel like telling you that would drastically cheapen this whole experience. And the main message here is Shaney Boy 69 is so much cooler than Shane Daddy. You can be both and keep the wife happy. So he's saying, I can still be Shane, Shaney Boy 69, keep the wife ha- happy. Don't lose yourself, though, bro. That's a death sen- sentence for you and your marriage. Really, with the man bun? Fuck, bro. You should take Letter <laughs> Kenny more seriously and pull your finger out of your ass. I guess he saw that I was wearing a man bun on the show. I said, I'm more of a Shit's Creek guy. And then I said, also, let's not assume that Shane Daddy 83 is keeping the wife happy. I said, the man bun was explained on the last episode because Mike requested it. Listen to the pod, man. I said, I do not wear it in real life. He says, oh, I see. So it's more David than Wayne. Win win that case. Put a finger up your ass, AI, I guess. Shane Daddy not keeping the wife happy. Noted. I will find a few hours of life to waste and listen to your pod. I'm so excited to actually not. So yeah, that's that's how it's been going with the the troll. Hey, do you think do you think the not was like a clever callback to our Wayne's World conversation last episode? I don't know. I I can't get a read on this guy's comedy IQ because it sometimes it seems so high off the charts that I'm I'm envious of him, and sometimes it seems so <laughs> juvenile from like elementary school days. But he finds the blend. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, But he finds the balance uh, pretty good. He he always keeps me laughing. I am kind of sad to see him go. But I guess the question is two parts. Have I changed that much since I converted to Shane Daddy 83 from Shaney Boy 69? Which to me, it was just a name change. It didn't represent anything other than that. And two, have you, how have you guys changed during this quarantine? Because that's mm. when I did this name change. Huh. Um, okay. Do, do I think you've changed? I would say I don't. I don't. I don't see you every day anymore. So I don't know. In, in I would say that like in our texts or our phone conversations about work and stuff like that, you seem totally the same to me. I think what's different about your life is I think people have this like this kind of like. Um, this sort of misconception about you that you were like a wild man before and then you settled down. I think that you've always been very sort of like uh, uh, um, focused on the task. Like when you're doing something, you're doing something. And mm-hmm. and so all that's different now is you don't have like that once every couple of weeks where you like hang out and like have like let loose. So it's like nobody's getting that let loose time. But the truth is you've always kind of been the way that you are now. You're just, you're focused on either, the, you know, your work with, uh, with bell media or with family tree so it's like it's like i don't think you're much different it's just you don't get the party part of it anymore which nobody really is getting and you're not in the backyards i guess what i'm saying is i think you've always led more nerdy than people think based on the way you you you've been uh, whatever portrayed in this podcast does that make sense yeah because we only talk about the fun outrageous times it's hard to talk about the boring times in your life which i lead 98 percent of the time 
Yeah, exactly. Which is, yeah, that's just more often. But you only, you want to distill the funny parts for the pot. And that's, that's the yeah, way. Yeah, 100%. Goes. Have you changed at all in this pandemic in any notable ways? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I think that like, I think I have, there's like, I think there's like, yeah, I'm a little quieter, you know, like, but that's just the kind of way it is. I, I miss, I've talked, I've been very open about how much I miss our old life and the social interaction. Like I'm an extrovert. I, I get energy from people and it's like, I don't, I don't really see people that much. And when I do, it's for a couple hours in the backyard, you know, maybe once every, once a week, or once every two weeks, that's, you know, so it's like that naturally mutes you. I think your, your personality and all that stuff. But I would say overall, like if, if, if I had to self-assess, it's like say a hundred percent of my personality before the pandemic, I probably lost 10% maybe. I don't know. It's not vast. It's not drastic in my mind, but you guys might be a better judge of that than I am. What, what do you think about this, Max? Have I changed? This is a good, this is a good question. It's something I've been thinking about more broadly. No, that's money. No, but um, because it's hard to evaluate people's kind of character and rhythms right now because it's not real life. And everybody obviously uh, has a different situation when it comes to you know who they're interacting with in their bubble. Everyone has different comfort levels. Everyone has like, you know, everyone's dealing with their own shit. Um, so, you know, I'd say that like there are a group of guys that kind of have made efforts to kind of get together and be together in the backyard, for instance, or, you know, people are, are like reaching out to be more social. Other friends have absolutely not done that. Uh, and I'd put you in that category. And it does, um, you know. Alienate impo- me? It, well, no, not alienate you. Uh, but it does make you, oh, I wish we saw Shane a little bit more often. But then on the other hand, it's like we're going through the pandemic. So I'd say you will be judged uh, on this question when the pandemic is over. If you're Shane Daddy 83 or if you're Shane Daddy 69. Because I think I, if I were to guess, I think you're more Shane Daddy 83 now. And you're not Shaney Boy 69. I think Shaney Boy 69 is a thing of the past. I personally love Shaney Boy 69. And I wish Shaney Boy 69 came around a little bit more often. And we'll see if that happens uh, when when this pandemic is over. And, you know, that, Are you that. Jack Pine, Max? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I don't know. Okay. All right. <laughs>